podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers brought to you by bookmakers.com. It is, uh, I mean, the branding says midweek fix, but I'm pretty sure it's still a Monday and it's not quite a full-time Reds, but we're going to talk about our preseason game today. I'm your host, Matt, joined by Kev O'Sullivan. Kev, this is uh, it's like preseason for us, you know, getting back into the groove of things for the full-time Reds uh, season yeah. coming up ahead of us. Yeah, the difference is today I had absolutely no interest in watching this game until I got home from work. If this was a 12.30 kickoff and it was a league game and I had to work, I'd be making arrangements at about 12.25 <laughs> to find a quiet spot in work in, in work somewhere to flick it on my telly and, or get it on my phone and watch it. For love and money, I'd have found a way. Today, it was like, nah, I was just keeping an eye on Telegram, seeing what was happening. And yeah, I, I it was pre-season, you know, it was a day, day, the last game of pre-season before they fly home, you know, so is what it is. I take it for what it is. You know, I can't look too deep into it, but take the positives where you find them. The negatives are the ones that you want to, do, you know, you just want them to happen in this kind of a game. But you want them to be left there. You don't want them to be coming back with you. So, look, if you're going to have a performance like that in the second half, have it there, you know. And yep. nah, I'm not too bothered either way with it. Yeah, it was uh, it worked out pretty well for me. I mean, the match started at 7 a.m. my time, so I got to watch the important part, which I think we can all agree was the first half. Oh, and yeah. then I went to work, and uh, I had the game on in the background, and I mean, the goals were kind of flying in, but got home after work and rewatched the entire second half and realized, with the exception of the seven goals, didn't miss a whole heck of a lot. But <laughs> I think I think uh, I think there is uh, there's points worth talking about uh especially from that first half so i mean the match finished 4-4 uh the first half was one nothing uh the starting lineup in the first half let's see if i can remember it allison came back in in goal which is good to see because he had missed the Karlsruhe game uh connor bradley andy robertson at the fullbacks ibu kanate virgil van dyke trent playing in the six again in front of Trent in the two eights was Cody Gakpo on the left, McAllister on the right, and then a front three of Diaz, Jota, and Ben Doak getting a run out with the first team. Yeah, that's a that's was, a juicy lineup, you know. Yeah, I look. I mean, there was a couple of there was three players in there, and you look at okay, show me something in those positions: Connor Bradley, Ben Doak, Cody Gakpo in the eight. Now, I mean, the thing is. If anyone watched the World Cup, watched Holland playing the World Cup, Gakpo played that role. That was pretty much his spot. Dropping deep on the left in a 5-3-2, but he was like tucking into midfield and being that kind of um, dictator of play from there. And I think it's a string to his bow that's going to get utilised throughout the season quite a bit. Um it, he, Cody Gapo could be one of these players that could be um, it could be his downfall in some ways he's very good in a lot of places mm-hmm. you know it, he can play the nine no doubt about it he can play that left side of the eight role no doubt about it he can play on the left wing no doubt about it 
the temptation is to float in between all three spots and whether you get the best out of him doing that i don't know uh, it's definitely um it's a nice problem to have mm-hmm. but at the same time i don't expect depending on the business that we do uh i don't expect him to have to do it often but to have him have that ability to do it in game even if you want to change it in game that you can you can change you can swap systems into dropping him deeper and you feel absolutely safe in the knowledge that he can do the job no problem at all Trent was fine in the six you know no extravagance in some of his passing a lot of the play went through him but he was neat and tidy with it McAllister looks McAllister looks a fucking player doesn't he he looks yeah. absolutely brilliant uh, well, the question here, here's about, because you brought up McAllister and you're talking about Gakpo yeah. in the eight. What surprised me in the two preseason games, now I get in the first one because we were so light on midfielders, you know, with Elliott and Jones still being away for the Carlsruhe game, we we were just sorely lacking for bodies. So I understood why Gakpo slotted in there. But we saw at the tail end of last season, Gakpo played, I can't remember which game it was, where he played as the right side of eight. Yeah. And when we signed McAllister, we all were of the opinion that that's the left side at eight. Well, this is two preseason games in a row now, and McAllister has been unquestionably the right side. Yeah. I, and when I, I thought, when I saw the starting lineup, I thought they might be flipped to what they actually ended up being. So it is, does that surprise you seeing that McAllister's taken up that right-sided role? Not at all, because when he signed, that's where I assumed he'd be playing. I assumed he'd be taking on the head, because this was before Dominic Sabaslai became a thing. Mm-hmm. I assumed that McAllister was going to be taking the role that Jordan Henderson wouldn't be playing anymore because Jordan Henderson can't do the role anymore in the way that we need that aid to work. He just can't do it. So I assumed that McAllister would be playing on the right. Then you add Dominic Sabazlai into the equation. And you have to look at it, I suppose. The odds are but they're not going to all start very, you know, all the time. It's the one probably position in on the pitch that Klopp had a tendency to rotate the most was in midfield. Right the way out through his right the way through his tenure, um, when the game started coming between league, Europe, domestic cups, back to league, and what have you, midfield was the one because that's the one that has the most legs to get around. That's the one that you need to keep it fresh, and I think. I don't know how many times you're going to see our best mid, you know, our best midfield playing back-to-back games. So I think out of what you'd expect to have four number eights at the club at the minute with McAllister, Sabazlai, Elliot, Jones, you can throw Thiago into the mix. I expect those four to be rotated around fairly healthily, you know. But I think McAllister would be the mainstay in all of it. Because mm-hmm. Sabazlai is going to take time to bet into the league. Every player who comes into the Premier League, it's very rare that you get a player who comes into the league and is just dropped in there and play week after week after week. It it usually does take a bit of time to that you you just get you're in the rotation almost. Yeah, you know, and, and I've no problem with that because with the with this with size getting five subs now. Most central midfield threes don't play 90 minutes. You know, you'll usually change two of the three in game. So at most, you're going to get 70 minutes. So if you've got five 
to rotate into three spots. One of the starting three might play 90, but you're going to sub the other two out. And you and that's going to happen in roles reverse, where the two subs would start the next game and then they'll play 70 minutes and it's you know and they'll be subbed off. So it's about getting the balance right and knowing that you can trust McAllister to come in and play on the right and on the left. You can trust Gakbo to drop into the eight if need be. And Sabazlai will fit into that, you know, seamlessly, I think. He's 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 a quality player. And anytime mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of him when I've been ever whenever because whenever I've seen him playing, it's mainly playing for Hungary that I've seen him play. And he's the main man. You know, he plays off a striker and everything goes through it. You know, and at his age, he's gonna be an absolute superstar, but he doesn't need to hit the ground running straight away. You know, yeah. there is time to bed him in. And we, we have the luxury at the minute of having players around that can come in and, as we see, seem, fit seamlessly into how you want to play. Yeah, but, a player like Harvey Elliott already has the trust of Jurgen Klopp. You know, we've oh, seen yeah. that with the run of games that he got last season and the season before, before he picked up that injury. So, yeah, it's uh, he's not necessary to hit the ground running, absolutely. But I, I think, I just think Alexis McAllister is, like, he hasn't, he hasn't shone. He hasn't had these, you know, uh, big moments in these two preseason games where, you know, he's been the guy, you know, setting up the goal. I, I think he actually did set up the one goal for yeah, the last Dotto one. or Gakpo. Yeah, in the, in the, the last game. one for Dotto, yeah. It wasn't one of those like, oh, wow, look at that. And it's getting clipped up and thrown everywhere sort of thing. But just he's consistent. He's in the right positions. He's getting forward. Like he's getting into the box consistently. That's what I noticed in the first half today was, that he was constantly making that driving forward run. And what a difference from Jordan Henderson, which, you know, who's been steady Eddie as that right side at eight. Like it's a, it's a very, very different type player. Uh, Touching on the third midfielder, I'll bring this comment up from Chris from earlier. I think you touched on it a little bit. Says it's only been two matches, but Trent is not a six. His game is being restricted too much by playing there. He's a right back and should play the inverted role. I personally was of the belief of that before going in. And I've been very surprised to see, that we've gone with Connor Bradley and Trent starting both games. I didn't think we'd see that. I thought we would see Connor Bradley coming on for the second half, Trent playing that role. I'm not sure how much this is a needs must thing. Cause again, we're a little short of bodies, especially that first game. We are extremely short of midfielders that Trent just had to play there. Now we've got a few more players back two games in a row though, for Trent in that six. How are, how are you liking it, Kev? He's, I agree with Chris. He's not a six in the traditional sense. He's learning the role. He's probably only ever played a handful of games in that role from start to finish. So I agree with him that he's not a player that you'd start as your six in the six role. I agree with him that if he's going to, if we're, and it looks like we're going to go with this inverted right back or left back, depending if Joe Gomez starts. But that's a conversation we'll get on to in a second. Um, I think Trent will start as right back and move into midfield and play that second six role who's more adventurous, who can get forward, where you'll have a six sitting and protecting. Um, I think eventually he can learn the role. Um, I think he's still a young he's still a young guy at 24. You know, usually what you find with the best holding midfielders, you, you know, they don't hit their straps really in that role until they're in their late 20s. You look at Paulinho at Fulham as a classic example. A really good player throughout his career, but never got a big move anywhere. Didn't suddenly go to Fulham at 27, and it's like, wow. 
And the reason why is because he's spent that long learning the role and it takes time. It's probably one of the, one of the most difficult positions to play on a pitch because you're generally on your own and you have to put, you have to police a massive space and your ability to read the ball is as important, if not more so important, more important than your pace and your ability to pass a ball and whatever your, your ability to tactically read a game and what what's happening within that is huge. And that only comes with experience. That's you can't learn that on a computer, watching simulations and watching situations. It's lived experience in the role. And that could take time. I think it'll take him. I think Trent eventually will play that role. No problem. But I think it might not be for another couple of years. You know, I honestly see him being that right back, inverting into that second second six for a while. But I was impressed with Connor Bradley in the first half and how he did it. I uh, I was I really like him a lot. I think he's going to be a really good player. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was. No uh, it. It I was just think he's going to be a good player. He was your one to watch when we did yeah. our uh, show about a month or so ago, and boy, you are looking like a modern day Nostradamus with that. <laughs> oh no, I still get I still get absolute clangers. Don't worry about that. But I think this oh, kid for, has got a You future. forget about the ones you get wrong, Kev. Just only focus <laughs> on the successes. Don't that's, worry about the ones you get wrong. That that's old. That's old age. <laughs> yeah, it's but I mean, like even uh, uh, for the first goal. I mean, we'll get onto the goal itself. But I noticed that like, Connor Bradley was about the furthest person forward on our team. Like, he was bursting forward. Like, he wasn't sitting back like Trent was doing when I think back to last season where, you know, he was sitting kind of at the base of midfield. Yeah, he was venturing forward a little bit. Like, Connor Bradley seemed to have the license to just go, go, go. Uh, the part about Chris's comment that I wanted to touch on was saying, is like, it's stifling his game. I think, and I said this in our Telegram group when the game was on this morning, it felt like it was a directed tactic from the coaching staff because after the Carlsruhe game, Klopp seemed a little unhappy that the ball was being funneled to Trent just constantly. It was give it to Trent, give it to Trent, give it to Trent. And it almost seemed like we went the other way to an extreme of try to do it without giving the ball to Trent because he really wasn't getting on the ball in, in a lot of ways. Like you're seeing, you know, a good number of long diagonal passes out of defense, trying to find Luis Diaz and a little bit of space to use his pace out on the left. And Trent was really kind of just sitting at that base of midfield and I'd, I'd like to see him on the ball a little bit more. And I think he will naturally because he's probably the best ball player on our team, maybe outside of Tiago. But I was watching, especially when I rewatched it, when I got home after work today and he's taking up better positions than I would have thought the Trent Alexander Arnold right back who can't defend was going to take up in the middle of the park. Because when the conversation of moving Trent in the midfield was happening last season, before he became this inverted fullback role, I had a tough time seeing it because, you know, if you think his positional awareness was sometimes quite suspect playing his right back, you drop him into the middle of the park and he's got that 360 degree thread around him of like his head's going to be absolutely kettled and I don't think he can do it. And he's proving me wrong. And I mean, maybe that's just the maturity that comes from, you know, entering his prime years and having to take on a little bit more responsibility in the team. But I'm really happy with from the last 10 games of last season and what we've seen in the first two preseason games this year of just his awareness. He's constantly got his head on a swivel. He's, he's got snap in his legs. Like he's, he's not doing that thing we were screaming at him for at the start of last season where he just didn't seem like he could be asked to run back and help out with defending. Like he really seems switched on in there. So 
I'm quite liking it. But I, I, I agree. I think I think come the Chelsea game, I think Trent's going to be the right back. Like, I yeah, but I think, I think the right the right back to pushing into being that second centre mid. Yeah. He shouldn't be starting as your primary centre mid in that kind of a role the way we want to play. It, no. it doesn't do him any favours, but at the same time, he'll do a job. He got the assist for the first goal. so He did. Yeah, that's a very, uh, fair, very simple assist. Yeah, but to be fair, you ha- you know, Luis Diaz was brilliant for the goal. It was, it was, yeah. and I look, I hold my hands up. I'm not well. I'm not going to hold my hands up because I, I still think the jury's out on Luis Diaz in a massive way, because what we need him to be able to provide from the left hand side is goals, yeah. and I haven't seen anything so far to tell me that he can replicate what Sadio gave us. In terms of goals, I think he's a fantastic footballer. I think he can attack wing back, he can attack fullbacks, he can cut in and he can create space. He can, he's really good on the eye. His in product has to be better this season. We need him to score goals, and you know that was a lovely finish. It genuinely was. It was like check back in and then go again and create the angle and slot it away. You need to see more a, of that. A snapshot too, like it. He took no time. Like the backlift on it was very minimal, and he got real mm. good power on it. Like, yeah, yeah. lovely but, to beat out in the box. Three players crowding around him. Yeah, good finish. Yeah. yeah, it was a good finish, and it was something that we, that they deserved at the time. Look, they dominated. The, they pretty much dominated the first half. You know, yeah. they could have had two or three in the first half, but for a bit of luck, bit of better finishing, I'll give the side that we were playing a fair bit of credit they played a high line a really high line and for a second division side in germany you don't expect to see that level of ability off the ball granted they're you know almost ready to start um their yeah, season their so season starts mild, pretty, pretty yeah quick. they're miles ahead of us in in that term and they've got a couple of good players especially the um, ex-Bayern striker that scored a brace today. He looks like a real talent, but it's... Um... <sighs> Look, there's, an, there's more positives to come out of that first half than anything else. You know, you, you, yeah. You've got to hold your hands up. There was some really good interplay, some really good link-up play, really good one-two touch play around Jota. So Jota looked an absolute live wear. Um, hit the post as well. Um yeah, when great swim. Ball went into, on that. Yeah, ball went into the keeper. Keep, he got there just before the keeper. In the Premier League, I guarantee he's going down because that's a penalty yeah. all day long. And that one where he cuts it back, I mean, the goalposts don't move. The lines in the penalty box is the same in every pitch in the world. And he just, it was just a, a whisker. You know, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was one of those, it deserved, a, it deserved a goal for the ingenuity to be able to get it. Jota looks really sharp in preseason. I got to be honest, he looks really, really sharp. You know, almost yeah, and a case linking of, up well with Gakpo. Yeah, and um, McAllister. Yeah, yeah, uh, that really yeah. bodes well. Like the the ability for like, I don't know if it's a horses for courses thing of putting Gakpo in as that midfield option as opposed to as a forward option, but being able to get both of those players, Jada and Gakpo, on the pitch, I think that gives us a real strong ability to overload midfield. And that might be that might be an option against some of the bigger teams that look to control the game in midfield. Like 
I don't know if I want to go as far as say like an away against Man City because I still have no idea what our lineup would be, you know, going away to the Eddie Had because it won't I change. Don't know what our yeah, it, it won't. I'm telling you now. The one thing that I've seen because people forget we started all of this, all of this stuff started at our with our game against Arsenal and Arsenal were flying, going for a title. Granted, it was a home, but this all yep. started. This inverted right back stuff all started in that Arsenal game. So yeah, Klopp, won't, Klopp don't give a shit about who we're playing. They'll have to adapt to what we're going to be able to do. And we have to be able to do what we want to do really well. So it's up to us to enforce our game on them. And it's up to them to deal with it. And that's the that looks like that's his, what his attitude is going to be. I don't think he's going to adapt too much for any opponent. If no, I think the formation, great. I meant more so the personnel. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not, I, I'm not sure if you go away to the Eddie Hat if you're looking at like a McAllister and Sabasly in with whoever's going to play the six for us, or whether you'd go because I mean we showed it. I don't know if it was away to City or home to City, but we played four two four when we had the front three yeah. and Klopp threw Jada in there. And yeah. I mean that's a that's a team where I'm thinking of where they absolutely suffocate the middle of the park. They're dropping those players in, you know, they're pushing up one of their defenders in and getting those extra bodies in midfield. And last year we were getting slaughtered in midfield by garbage teams. So the option of having Jada to drop deep from the forward position and Gakpo in there in midfield, just bouncing around. But uh, you wanted to talk about taking positives out of the first half. Liam Dunn, we got to talk about yeah. him. I mean, he says Doak was exciting. I think he's making his case to be that fringe player uh, with the first team. I really do. I think there's a spot there for him. We don't have a natural backup to Salah. I, I don't think Harvey Elliott's that position. I think Harvey Elliott's going to try to win that spot, that right-sided eight, that top right-hand corner, that box midfield. I think that's more Harvey Elliott's role. I just feel that there's a spot there to be the guy that gives Mo Salah 15 minutes at the end of a game. Yeah, I think that's how you have to use him. I mean, you're going to get a lot of calls to send him out and loan. At his age, I don't think it's good to throw a 17, 18-year-old out into the championship because that's where he'd have to go, out into the championship and play a 46-game season. We saw what happened to Stefan at the back end of last season when he was playing games on the bounce. It's a it's tough ask at any level, at any age. But for a young player at that age to go into the championship and play back-to-back-to-back games. And the championships are relentless, a relentless slog of a season. To do that, I think um, you could probably do more harm than good. I think him being around the first-team squad could benefit him for a year. Um, I agree with you. It could be one of the biggest beneficiaries of being in the Europa League is having someone like him to play an hour in games and know that he's going to be playing them, you know, so he can prepare himself properly to play in those games. I mean, I don't expect to see Mo Salah playing in the, you know, Europa League group games. So there's a spot for him for sure. And he's one of these ones that you can keep him around until January and then make a decision in January as to what happens then. Say, I know I think Joe Kwanzaa is in exactly that boat. You keep him around till January and make a decision then. Um, there's a massive benefit for keeping him. He's he's got all he, he's got to learn, you know. And this is all the pre this preseason is is done for him. Is this is what it's like to be playing, you know, first team football when you're away with the first team? 
it, it's faster, it's harder. I know most Salah would disagree with me, but most Salah want <laughs> most Salah wants to play every single game going and sometimes every, every Salah, minute, every game. Yeah, most Salah needs protecting from himself at his age and. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just think that he's got an opportunity. He's, he's got to get opportunities. He's he's really quick, you know. He's direct. Yeah. If he could, if he develops the way you hope he will, and adds goals to his game. Oh, and bodes well for Scotland. You know, yeah. it, it's massive. It's massive. Yeah, whether it bodes well for Scotland or not doesn't doesn't really. Ruffle my feathers. It does for the believe me. It it does for these players. And yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, it's like you often see it with players where they'll move to further their international career. And I just think that if he kicks on at Liverpool, he's gonna go to World Cups, he's gonna go to European Championships, he's going to be an absolute superstar. And there's no better person to be managing him at this stage of his career than Klopp because he's been there, he's seen it, he's done it, and he's seen these type of players before, and he's made them into superstars. So And to learn from Mo Salah. I mean, in terms of like oh, the yeah. attitude that you need to bring to training every day and looking after your body and getting into the right shape sort of thing, like that all bodes very well for him. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the first half. I agree with you. I think we kind of bossed the first half, which was good to see yeah. because, again, they're further along. I think they probably played six or seven preseason games. This is only our second one. So we're getting into the second half, and hopefully, like Liverpool did, we're going to do a full change here. Is our Chris and Gav going to come in and do talk about the second half? We're going to do a full – Not quite. <laughs> we're, going to have, we're going to have to suck it up. And Well, look, I'm not going to get too deep into it because the first two goals were stupid. Um. The ball from back to Adrian was a silly ball. Adrian should have dealt with it better. And it was a good finish. It was good pressing. It was what you expect from German sides. It was really good aggressive pressing to force the situation. And the best thing about that goal from their point of view, if you look at how their striker cut off the lane to from Adrian to Joe Gomez, it boxed Adrian in. And all he could do was launch it, and he just didn't. He just had a complete yeah. brain fart, played a stupid well, pass. And the the and angle they... that he opened his body up to, Adrian, when he received the ball, you can tell he's not confident with his left foot. Yeah. And he received bad. the ball completely closed off, where the only play he could do would be a little outside of the right foot pass or try to <laughs> kick it as hard as he could with his left foot. And it was... It was not Chris good. Hockey has got Chris Hockey has got to elaborate on that comment. Uh, he, Chris Hockey normally listens to us on Spotify or wherever he gets his downloads. Usually, listen, don't watch. Matt looks like looks nothing like he sounds. How did you think Matt was going to look? I sound like I have short hair. Apparently, <laughs> I sound like I have short hair. So, uh, yeah, I mean, their their goals, if, I'm not too concerned about. I mean, I thought I think was the, the second one was offside. The second one was offside. The second one was quite clear. It was, it was, but saying that. Matip threw a lazy leg, 86-yard box. It was just stupid. But at the end of the day, their goals, if you're going to make mistakes, make them there and leave them there. The third goal, I think, was they got on the counter. I'll just go through their goals quickly. They got their third goal on the counter. It was a really good counter, and it was a hell of a strike. And, fair, you know, we just got done. Too many players overcommitted going forward. 
and got done on the counter for for their third. I think that. Yeah, that's the one where it cuts back. They cut the ball back to the top of our box, and he rifles it into the top left corner. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, a great a, you could put. Yeah, you could put two keep two keepers in there. They weren't stopping that. You could put and ten Adrians in there, and they wouldn't yeah. stop it. Their fourth, their fourth one then was another one. It was just Sleb got it on about five yards out in the edge of the box, and just knocked it past Petaluka. It was a really good, a really good finish. You know, yeah. credit where it's due. They had really good. It was a really good finish. But then you get onto our goals because I mean we went from three one up, and we'll talk about ours. That you know they went. This, they got their goal, and three minutes later, three minutes later, we got ours back, and it was a beautiful football goal. And it all started with Adrian. It all started with Adrian coming yeah. to claim a cross. Yeah, you can slam a cro- him for giving up the goal, yeah. but you got to give him credit. You can slam him for giving up the goal. About a minute before that, he made a really good save, a really good save. But he come for the cross, claimed it. Got the ball to Harvey Elliott really quickly. Brilliant ball from Harvey into Mo, into Darwin. Darwin chopped back onto his left foot. He took it on his chest onto his right foot, chopped it back onto his left foot and slotted it past the keeper. And I thought their keeper had a really good game, by the way. No, well, I think that's the finish of the I think that's the finish of Darwin's second goal. The first one is the one where he knocks it around the keeper and dinks it with his right foot to the far side. Yeah, that Isn't no, it? the no, the second one he or the first his first one he he knocks it on his chest, chops it back onto his left foot and whips it around the keeper. But that, oh, okay, I might be getting those confused. I thought yeah. no, 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 you're getting those wrong. Harvey no, Elliott no, no. plays that beautiful through ball to Mo. Mo plays yeah. that little left foot switch pass that he was trying a lot in the Karlsruhe game of just waiting with the defense and trying to just slot it in behind with that angled run coming from Darwin. And Darwin took it around the keeper and lobbed it over the keeper with his right foot into the left side of the goal. Darwin's second goal is the one where he takes it down, chops it back onto his left foot and curls you're it. Right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right. I just got confused. Yeah. Look, there were two free- yeah. there were two really good I mean, goals, but there were brilliant Darwin's football banging goals. banging them in. It's, yeah, yeah they were hard, to keep them, hard to keep them straight. He's a nice problem to have. <laughs> no, it's... And it was one of those. It was one of those. It's preseason. It was, it was one of those goals that, like, I just got it mixed up in my head. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But it was. Um, I still doesn't. I still don't think he starts in the Chelsea game. I, I, I just don't think he. I think he's doing every. He's doing everything to give Klopp a real headache. And everything that you asked him to do today was really good. But I just I still think that Jota's ahead of him in a big way. I think Jota looks sharper, and he offers you more off the ball. Jota, he, Darwin is he's brilliant at getting in behind. Those goals today typified him in yeah. games where sides play a high line and give you space to run into. He's absolutely lethal in those kind of games. I don't. Th- I mean, the thing is, he could have had a hat trick with a header. And credit to the keeper, it was a brilliant save Great because team. he did he did everything right. Uh, cross came across the box. He headed it back where it came from. He headed it down. He headed it with power, and it was just absolutely brilliant. But the keeper got stopped to it, and I don't, I wouldn't fault him for that. But it's a nice problem to have where you've got two different forwards 
they offer you two different things and both of them are clinical. You know, and Darwin's that player who can get in behind. Jota can interlink play and he's a shark in the box. He's an absolute yes. killer in the box. Uh, but his interplay is probably better than what Darwin's is. And I think he offers yeah. you that against the, against the better sides uh, more than what Darwin does. See, and I'm going to disagree with you, but first I'm going to deal with this comment from Chris Hockley who figured that I was going to look like James Pierce. Now, I know that I'm Canadian and South Park has made everybody believe that our heads come apart like a burger, but I do not have a burger head. I do not look like James Pierce. So I'm glad that I did not live up to the I look like James Pierce uh, situation. So I'm going to disagree in the sense that I get the feeling that the reason we've seen Darwin paired up with Mo for both of these preseason games is I think that Klopp wants that. I, I just... There's just something about it. I think he wants that big money signing to pay off because he knows that's how our transfers have to work. We can't just be willy-nilly spending 63 million pounds on a player and having them not work out. I think Jada can come in and augment a game, but I think that it's come that Chelsea game, I think the left side position might be up for grabs. You might see Jada come in on the left. I doubt it. I would presume it's going to be Diaz, but I, I just think that he's going to try to give him that confidence of going like you got the number nine shirt i'm pairing you with mo salah they seem to be building up a pretty good rapport between the two of them i mean they've been linking up with what i think five goals now that it's been one to the other in the two preseason yeah. games and i know it's yeah. preseason but this is this is all the evidence we have to work with so we we have to yeah. use it I, john Hal john halton makes a really play. good john halton makes a really good point there uh darwin seems to be an instinct type player and, and he is. He, he's at his best when he doesn't have to think. And no problem with that in a forward. Absolutely no problem with that in a forward whatsoever. But if you're going to be playing in a side that wants to dominate the ball and dominate possession, you're going to have to think because you're position, positionally you're going to have to be on it all the time to be in the right place at the right time. So that's where, for me, I think Jota is the better player. And I don't yeah. care about price tags. I just look at no, that's who, true. Who, who, who offers you the most in the system that you want to play and how you want to approach a game. I just think at the moment, Yoga Jota offers you that bit more. But I'm not going to lose any. I'm not going to lose too much sleep at that end of the pitch because I think we score over 100 goals next season, and I have no problems whatsoever with us creating chances scoring goals we created an absolute bucket full of chances again today could have had a lot more than the four that we had and it wasn't through bad finishing jota had one in the first half where if he goes side foot across the keeper he scores he goes side or foot just to pass the... it to luis diaz yeah yeah he goes side he goes he's never passing there i'd nearly throw the remote at the telly if you passed it there it was like he, he goes side foot to the near post. It was just a bad choice of finish. But yeah, no striker worth their salt is passing that ball. Never in a million years. But no, I fully expect us to score 100 goals. My biggest worry is the um, left back position, if anything happens to Andy Robertson. Chris has been going on about Costa Simicast for a while. And I don't mind him as an orthodox left back if he's asked to do that orthodox left back role but if we're trying to do this inverted full back role with him 
while Joe Gomez is starting right back. And I've no problem with Joe Gomez, by the way, starting right back. He was fine today. But I just look at He cannot do that. He can't do it. He doesn't have the football brain to do the the doggies to get in and out in those and to be positionally right in in that's he, he just I don't think he has that in him and to ask him to do it is almost horses for courses because there's nobody else to do it if anything happens to Andy Robertson on that left hand side that's a problem it it is yeah. a problem you know no doubt about it. Yeah, it's uh, McGlinchey here says Costas got booked in a preseason friendly. He's not getting on my good side. He started a mini scuffle nah. in his defense. He picked up that yellow card because he was being pulled back when he was trying to make that tackle. But I mean, to yeah. front a guy up in a preseason friendly, like it was like, okay, come on. Like, it's just, let's oh, calm no, down. Like, they, I, they were, throw, I know that they were throwing tackles fire, in at the time. Let's, yeah, it hey, was. No, it, no, they were throwing tackles in at the time. It, it was getting tasty at that stage. Yeah, and it was it was a little day, little too much because we don't need no any injuries. No, but just let's let everybody just calm down, yeah. take a deep breath. You know, everybody's about to get on a big long twenty hour plane flight to go to Singapore now. So let's all just make sure we're healthy mm. getting onto that plane going forward. Yeah. Uh I other players in the second half, you know, a fair few more kids came in. Kumas, I don't think, did a whole lot. He know, I know he plays primarily as a striker, so he was shunted out onto the left to make room for yeah. Darwin to play down through the middle. Didn't really have much of an impact. Uh, the other two, though, towards the back end of the pitch, I think they both had pretty good cameos in the two preseason games in James McConnell in the six. I don't think he's yeah. going to make the team. I'm not saying that no, at no, all. No. I think he's done a serviceable job. I mean, he got absolutely sold down the river by Adrian for their first goal, yeah. but I mean... It, that he's didn't seem footballer. to throw him off of his game. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, you know? he's a tidy it, footballer. I wouldn't mind seeing him. He's one of these guys that if he goes and plays in the for the 23s next next season, and the thing is, the under-23s next year don't have a European competition as far as I know. So, mm. you know, he'll, he'll play in the, uh, in the league. I think the Premier League 1 or Premier League 2, whichever one it is. But, yeah, he's def, he'll definitely be better for the experience of being involved in the preseason games but as players fitness kicks on uh for the singapore trip i expect him to be on the trip but i don't expect him yeah. to be as involved because hopefully by then we'll have addressed that number six issue you know, in a positive way by the time we get to Singapore, we hopefully... Well, even you know. if it's as simple as Stefan Bajcetic is coming back in and picking up minutes or Thiago is coming back in, you know, freeing up somebody else to move, you know, we're, we're getting bodies back every week that we go through, like, regardless of whether we're bringing players into the transfer window, which, for the love of God, we better be bringing players into the transfer window. But, like, Thiago's on the sidelines waiting to come back, and so is Stefan Bajcetic. And so that's just going to help mm. fill up that midfield with a... It's yeah, a bit more to say more. It's weird to say more experienced players when you're talking about an 18, 19 year old than Bychetich, but you know he's been with the team. But uh, Robert McGuire here, he's mentioning, he are, are asking, will this Jarrell Kwanzaa be back up in that left center no. back position? It's, I don't think so either. I think it's probably a step too soon. But this is, I, I might be of the half a mind to keep my LFC TV Go subscription just to try to keep an eye on the unders to see whether the under, I think it's under 21s now, isn't it? Under 23s, no, under whatever 23s, it is. Yeah. yeah, 
whether they play this same three box three system. I don't know if they will, but the one thing that I'll say is I think he'll take the Nat Phillips role as being yeah. your fifth your fifth centre back. If Nat gets sold, I think he'll he'll be that fifth one that for example, anything happens to any of the front four, he'd be on the bench or in the match day squad for a game. And I don't know how but much this is he would that's it. He he there's a decision to be made on him. And the yeah, truth is, yeah. I think he's going to be a really good player. Do you send him to the championship to play a full season, which will probably benefit him long-term more than being in the squad? That's why I think a decision for him would be made, best made in um, January to maybe send yeah. him out and loan for the second half of the season. This, know, is why I'm wondering whether, this is why I'm wondering whether the under team is going to be playing the same system because if the under team is going to be playing the same system as we are as opposed to the, the old style 4-3-3 formation, I think it's more beneficial for him to stay in the Liverpool system, to not go out on loan. Because it's very doubtful that a team in the championship or League One is going to be playing a three-box three with an inverted fullback system. That no, doesn't no. seem like the type of football that's going to get played there. So if we're looking at this, and it's something that we were talking about before we came on the air, and uh, I'm just going to save that, Sean P. Casey's super chat. I'll get to that in a second, John. We were talking about this just before we came on, is the Levi Colwell situation. You know, it seems like that that ship has sailed now with Chelsea's young center halves all picking up injuries and needing Chelsea just needing Levi Colwell to play on their team. Like odds are pretty good that Levi Colwell is going to start for Chelsea on the first game of the season against yeah. us. You know, it's, it's going to be him. No, and Thiago Silva. Yeah. So the, the chances of getting him out of Chelsea now are pretty much zero. So we need to move on from that. And whether we try to find another Levi Colwell, find another Levi Colwell in the market or not, who knows? But I was saying when, and Gav, Emmett, no, Gav, Keith, and Shawnee did a show two, three months ago talking about who you'd like to see brought in in the transfer window. And they mentioned Gvardiol. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around how we could justify spending that much money on a player who's clearly ready to take that next step when the position that they're going to be buying for is occupied by Virgil van Dyke. And I kind of felt the same way about Colwell. I mean, the money thing is less, but he's also much younger and far less proven than Vardial is. But it's still the situation of that's your Virgil van Dyke replacement and Virgil's not ready to be replaced yet. And Jarrell Quanz is two years younger than Levi Colwell. We already own him. He can be in Liverpool, in our system, learning the role that we want him to play for a year from now or two years from now. And that it just saves us so much headache. So I think if if this new system has been filtered down through the entire Liverpool Academy system, like the four three three was years ago when Klopp first came in, I think we see him stay stay around. And yeah, he'll be that fifth choice. He'll fill out a non homegrown spot. You know, he'll it doesn't count because he doesn't need to be registered. And if something happens, like you know, last season against Crystal Palace, where Nat Phillips ends up starting. But most weeks he won't be in the match squad, and then you can just send him to play down with the under 23s. And I think that'll do absolute world of good for him because you look at the size of him. I mean, he is filled out very well for 20 years old. Like he's got some size to him, unlike Billy Comedio, who looked, you know, very skinny and lanky at that age, even though he had the height, he didn't have the the solid muscle mass to him. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it's I, I like that idea though of you know, see let's get to January, see how the landscape lies, and we can take it from there. So uh coming back around, Sean P. Casey with a four pound ninety-nine super chat. He says, How long are you going to give it to get another signing before we have a proper meltdown? Where's Don't your do meltdown, meltdown timer at? Don't do meltdowns? Well, no. I get frustrated when a player leaves. That 24 hours. You know, when it, whenever like the Fabinho stuff came out of nowhere, I don't like being out of control in the transfer market. I like to have, you know, when you when you go into the transfer market, you know who you want to sell, and you're in control of your own situation. Um, we're not at the moment. You know, we're out of control at the minute in the transfer market. But there's absolutely nothing I can do to affect it. No amount of me shouting and ranting and raving like an Egypt is going to affect anything. Uh, I don't understand why people do, to be honest, because as soon as the window closes, I'm going to put my, put my red tinted glasses on and I'll just support the team. You know, that's who we got, and there's no point in crying about it. it saying that, we absolutely. Oh, yo, Chris, I do do meltdowns. <laughs> I do absolute meltdowns. The day, it, the day Fabinho was announced, I was like, what in the hell is going on? The day Henderson was announced that he was leaving, I was like, are you for real? Had complete meltdowns for about a day. And then I calmed down. And then I calmed down and I started to think about it. I was like, look, there's obviously got to be moving parts around other league. And you saw it today with um, Southampton are looking to bring in um, Ch Hamza Chowdhury. From Leicester, really? That number, yeah. The they're, Seafood they're Chowdhury. Bring, yeah, they're trying to bring in him in for Leicester, which would free up someone to leave Lavia to leave, and you mm. other sides have to get ducks in a row before they let anyone go. You know, there. That's just the way the world works, you know, and and it's the same with us. You know, we still haven't let Fabinho and Henderson go yet. You know. They're still those transfers are not official yet, and they could still no. fall apart because of dogs or failed medicals at any given moment. So, yeah, look, oh, Oshin makes a point there as well. Um, it is a sad day for football with uh, Trevor Francis passed away. Chris Bart Williams passed away. Oh my god! Well, my wife says they always come in three. So if we uh, stay on broadcasting well, long enough, we'll get a third one. Tre Trevor Francis. I mean, the thing is, for me anyway, the thing, I remember watching Trevor Francis in the 82 World Cup. So when, I, when I'm starting seeing players that I've watched in my childhood and they're dying, uh, you know, passing away, it's, he's 69 years of age. It, it's he, he passed away from a heart attack. It, it's just sad. I mean, the obvious statement is that, you know, he was the first million pound player. Um, but to say that he's scored the European the goal, winning goal in the European Cup final against Malmo in his first game in Europe, you know, he, wow. he scored the goals to get Forrest to their second European Cup final and missed the final because of injury. He is a he was a pioneer in a lot of ways as well because he traveled, you know, I mean, he started off his career in Birmingham 1970. Uh, went to Detroit in 1978 on loan. Um, was in the uh, the equivalent of the MLS, the NASL team of the yeah. year that that year with Franz Beckenbauer. Uh, come back, went to Taylor. Forest for two. He only spent two years at Forest. Had a really bad injury, um, cruciate knee, cruciate 
Oh no, it was not Cruci. It was uh, Achilles, I think. But then he went to Man City. Then he went to Stampadoria and Atalanta. Went to Rangers, QPR. But then he had he finished his career at Sheffield Wednesday, and had four stints in management with uh, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham City, and Crystal Palace. And from every interview you I watched today about him, he's just an all round good egg. You know, he's just a really good guy. And to see someone at 69 pass away, it's early, you know, young, 69 these days is not an old man, you know. Uh, Yeah, mostly remember him as a good manager for Sheffield Wednesday, team in the early 90s. And they were a good side, Darren. Darren Dunbar makes a point there. They were a good good footballing side. You know, it was just, it's just a shame. I didn't know about Chris Bart Williams. That's that's new him because he was a... I've never even heard of this person. I, I remember him at Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. Um, 49 years. 49. He's a year younger than me. That is shockingly sad. That is just shockingly sad. Yeah, it's crazy. But look, we'll move on to quickly finish up, mate. Um, I'm going to ask you, what would you do? What would you do? If someone if someone turned around and offered you a move to earn sixty eight thousand pound sixty eight thousand five hundred pounds an hour for a twelve month contract, what do you do? Where am I moving? Kylian Mbappe. Uh, <laughs> PSG have PSG have accepted a bid of two hundred and fifty nine million pounds for from. I think it's Al Halal. Yeah. And the reported contract is for six hundred million pounds, which equates to fifty million pounds a month, one point six four million pounds per day, an hourly rate of sixty-eight thousand five hundred pounds per hour, nineteen pounds per second. Yeah. What do you do? Because it makes a mockery of your football ambitions if you're willing to go for that much money when you've just touted yourself as I want to go and play for Real Madrid. I want to build my legacy like Zinedine Zidane. I want to be this, that and the other. I want to be looked back at as a football legend and the best player in the world. But there's a boatload of money. Tiger Woods turned yeah. it down. This yeah. Live Rory. Golf offer. Yep. Live Golf offered Tiger Woods $700 million at the back end of his career where the guy's back was broke and all he had to do was just show up, you know, and Tiger Woods turned it down. Yep. Rory McIlroy turned it down. Yep. Leo Messi turned it down. What does Kylian and Jordan Henderson. Oh, no, wait, no, no, I mean, I'm not okay, getting it. I don't I'll care speak about personally, that. I'll speak personally for myself. Hmm. I would turn it down because my apostasy would lead me to get the death penalty there. So what good is 68,000 pounds an hour going to do when I can legally be put to death? So until that contract is actually offered to me and I'm given some assurances that I won't be killed by the government, I'm going to go ahead and say, I would say no. And I will continue to say no because that contract's never coming to me. I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. So PSG has accepted the bid. And obviously, why wouldn't you accept a, a world record bid? They're it's desperate now, to get him out. Of course they are. 
because they they have no power in this situation. They owe him an absolute mountain of money, I think 150 million euros, 150 million pounds, or something like that for the final year of his contract because they gave him the keys to the castle. And now he wants out of that castle, but he still wants his money. So PSG seems like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And now it all comes down to Mbappe. And I'm very interested in it because it's, I don't want to go too over the top with it, but it's sad that the integrity of football might be in the hands of Kylian Mbappe in the next 24, 48 hours to decide whether uh, he's going to do it. Glenn Parsons and Emma Kavanagh, both of this parish, uh, both saying that Mbappe has no intention of going to Saudi Arabia. It It's one of those decisions. And the thing is, if you're good enough to command that kind of a contract, you're good enough to be to go anywhere in the world for that level of money. And to put it into perspective, it, all right, I've, I've, I did a bit of digging. The biggest contract that I could find in sports uh, is, well, the NFL is $52 million for Lamar Jackson. Currently, Cristiano Ronaldo, 200 million euro at Al Nazar for football. Nikola Jovic, uh, Denver, $54.4 million. Baseball, Max Schneider, or Scherzer. Scherzer, Scherzer. Scherzer. 43.3 million dollars only works every fifth uh, day, or every fifth day ice hockey uh nathan mckinnon 12.6 yeah. million dollars max verstappen puts his life on the line you know does he though he doesn't even have he to try does. hard he does he still puts his life he still puts his life the on the line was over after the car. first turn kev the race was over after the first turn 51.1 million euro that goes to show the level of money that is being offered to these footballers and how determined Saudi Arabia are to become the um, focal point, the the number one brand over the next decade for world football. They are willing to throw the kitchen sink at it. They don't go into things half-hearted and they don't go into things to finish second. Um but here's the question, Kev. Like, I can understand the, like, the money that they've been throwing at older players. Like, the money that they're throwing for Jordan Henderson or even Fabinho. Like, what is the international marketing appeal of a Fabinho or a Jordan Henderson? I don't see it being much. Like, I get that Henderson, you know, was England captain, Liverpool captain. But he's at the tail end of his career. Like, there's not an army of fans that are Jordan Henderson stands on Twitter that are no. willing to die on their Jordan Henderson defending hill. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. You've got all of these people that hate Jordan Henderson. So I never quite understood that. I can kind of understand maybe a fraction of the money that they're throwing at Kylian Mbappe to get him into their league, to bring the eyes on that league. But if the reports are correct of they're offering that six or 700 million for one year, and it's a one-year contract so that he can go to Real Madrid, are the eyes that he brings to the league not just going to leave in a year? Like, if the fans just follow these players and they're so fickle that they're willing to stop watching the French League, which I don't watch the French League. I didn't watch PSG. I had no intention in watching that. Like, 
it it did not seem sporting just about that one team was able to bring in Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe and play against Lons and Orient and stuff like that. Sure, some people did because of the the glamour of watching all of these superstars playing together. And those people might go and watch the Saudi league. But then when Mbappe inevitably leaves and goes to Real Madrid, are they not just going to leave with him? Like, I don't get the long-term payoff from this. The long-term payoff is the fact that they can do it. And it's, they're, they're literally going to turn football. They want, their ambition will be to turn Saudi Arabia into the, if not the best league within 10, 20 years. The one place where you think of, you've got your European leagues, you've got your Premier League and your top leagues in Europe. Their ambition will be to win the Club World Cup. The new expanded Club World Cup of 32 teams. At the moment, the Saudi League is ranked 72nd in the world in terms of league quality. By the time they're by the time they're done with it, they'll be the biggest club or the biggest league outside of Europe or in the world. And they'll be a destination league for a lot of players. I mean, I just think that for now. It's just there's it's shots across the bow for a lot of players, for a lot of clubs, um, that there's a big new player in town. Um, it literally brings back the idea that nobody is safe. It brings back the idea when PSG started throwing money, you know, when they very first started, that they can reach out and attract any player by paying obscene money. There's no financial fair play. There's no rules in that they have to live by, whereas... Nope. You look at Manchester United. Manchester United are definitely desperate to bring in a striker. They're desperate to bring in Harry Kane. They can't afford to bring Harry Kane in because of financial fair play. They they just physically cannot do it. They don't have the money or the movement. And Can they get Wegbors they don't back? Ha- they don't have to live within those rules. That's yeah. the whole point. And when it comes down to football players, once they reach a certain level and a certain age, it's a business. We're fans. We support clubs. You know, um, through thick and thin, we support clubs. Absolutely. But players, so Kev, it's a business. Does that, is the whole plan, is the Saudi plan dealt, maybe not a fatal blow, but certainly a, a tough, tough blow if Mbappe says no? No, because it's... Because that were, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean no. that any player is safe. I mean, Messi said no. They couldn't get Messi at the tail end of no. his career, and they threw a billion at him. A billion. Yeah. But they got but into they the room get it. to make the offer. Right. Sure. No no other club in world football had a bid accepted by PSG. That, to them, is a win in itself. The fact that they could get, make a bid and have that bid accepted by a big club like PSG or a wealthy club like PSG shows that they can reach out. They could reach out to Liverpool and offer 250 million for Mo Salah, and you'd have to have a serious conversation about it. The same for Virgil Van Dijk, same for Alison Becker. They, there isn't a player that they can that they can't reach out and put a bid in there and get in the room to offer the contract. Whereas before, that was they were offering contracts it, to players yeah, ready for the I think you got your language wrong, though, Kev. This, if Mbappe has turned them down. There's not a club they can't get on board with. Oh, yeah. But there is a player they can't get. And now there's the two, maybe the two biggest names in world football 
and Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe have now both said no. And all it takes is just that. You know, like, let's take the last show I was on. The news was Luis Diaz. Thankfully, that news has died off. It seems like it's completely gone away. But maybe now, the next time that happens, maybe it's Darwin Nunes. Maybe he goes, Mm. well, Mbappe said no for footballing reasons. Yeah, for for footballing reasons reasons and legacy reasons. Exactly. Legacy reasons. And this is why I'm not concerned about, at least for the next year, like there's no way that Mo Salah would leave Liverpool this year. There's no way. Not this year, no. Maybe not even There's no way this year. No, absolutely no way this year. But I don't even know if he'd do it next year because he's got a legacy mindset about him. And like you said about Mbappe, that he wants to be thought of as this type of player, as a Zidane-level player, like, you know, a Platini-level player. And you don't do that by taking a year out of your prime and going and playing in a league that is currently kind of a joke. It is a joke for in now. In terms of its ranking. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it's a joke for now. And we'll see how it plays out. The difference between the Saudi League and the CSL when the Chinese started is the Chinese got bored of paying all this money to foreigners to come in and take the money out of the country. Saudi Arabia don't care. Their whole point is to be is the image, is the illusion, the image selling the country. That's their whole ambition is to turn that Gulf region into the sports hub of the world. And their football is just a part of it. It's the same as F1, tennis, golf, UFC, boxing, WWE, anything to do with sports and entertainment, they want to be involved. And that and that's the aim. To move their economy away from what they're what's running out, to move towards something that they can monetize, and that's the whole point. But look, okay. enough well, of that. For l- now, luckily, cause... it's luckily it's too hot in the desert to have hockey rinks because they could buy the NHL lock, stock, and barrel for the amount of money they offered to Killian mm. Mbappe. So hockey well, is safe. Emmett put a comment there about um, an interview that. Uh, Ricardo Carvalho or Ricardo Carvalho, yeah. Fabio Carvalho gave to yeah. in over in Leipzig, and it, the comment is, he was asked if Klopp gave him advice. I don't really speak to him. To be fair, he hasn't given me any advice. I just had to learn as I go, and I feel it's better that way to for me to mature. He's right. He needs to mature. Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean it. I, I've only seen the tweeted snippets of this yeah. interview, so I have absolutely no idea the context. I have no idea the validity of it. If we take oh, no, it on it's face straight value up. that it's straight yeah, up. if we take it on face value that it is true, and you read the context and the way that it sounds, which is a little bit I don't know petty and childish, it fits yeah. in with the type of player that texts his national team manager and says, "I don't want to play for you anymore," and it's that's not good. And it's it goes to the key word in there, which is mature. And he yeah. does, you know, he needs that year away. So I'm, I'm hoping that he can just get his head down, go to Leipzig, play some football, mm. can, just be away from the spotlight. Don't do any more interviews, you know, just focus on your career because it took a little bit of a hiccup going from Fulham. His year at Liverpool last season did not go the way that he probably hoped it would, that a lot of people hoped that it would. I, I saw another comment of his that he was brought in to play a 10 and we didn't play with a 10. He's correct. We've now yeah. shifted to a system where I could see Fabio Carvalho playing in our system now as one of those Inside, advanced yeah. roles. 
Exactly. You know, yeah, not right now, but you can see him coming in and playing that left-sided advanced eight role that's getting into the box and being that fourth, fifth person getting into the box behind the striker sort of thing. So there is a role there for him if he's that inflexible as a player that he's incapable of playing the left-sided eight in a 4-3-3 or the left-sided winger because he doesn't have the pace for it. But he needs to just get his career back on track. So whether he has a future at Liverpool or not, it doesn't matter, but he's got a big year ahead of him. He's got a big year ahead of him. He needs to have a good year at Leipzig. And it'll probably end up with him leaving Liverpool. I don't know. Okay. I wouldn't look. I don't look. This is what my two cents on this. I don't expect Klopp to talk to any player who's going out on loan. That's why you employ a loan manager. Someone is your go between between the club, you, and the manager, the management of the club. At the end of the day, he was brought in on a, you know, on an pretty cheap deal for as a young kid. Yeah, as a young kid to see how he progressed. He needs the loan. Massively needs the loan. The German the Bundesliga will suit him. But he needs to go and play. You know, and he's not going to play at Liverpool. He needs Mm. to go and play. It's typical of a German media because Klopp is just like massive. So it's typical of the German media to ask that type of question. And I'm sorry, I haven't got a problem with the answer because why would Klopp talk to him you know why would he talk to him but you know he'd have been told you're going on loan this is the law manager who's in charge of loans at the club he's the person you speak to i I just don't see too much into it you know he's he does have to learn as he goes it's a big a big club with 30 odd senior players you know you're not going to get special individual treatment not at his age. Yeah. He needs to go and play. I, d- I don't see a big yeah. deal either way. Yeah, exactly. I, I, as Emmett Cavanaugh. Yeah. yeah. Emmett Cavanaugh says he needs to get his head down and zip it. Otherwise, he'll be the next Bobby Duncan. And that's, uh, you look at, you know, go onto the transfer market page and see where Bobby Duncan career is gone. And it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not great. It's not nice. Uh, no, it's not nice. No, it's not nice. So we got the teams flying out to Singapore. We got uh, preseason games against Leicester and Bayern Munich. So, uh, you know, hopefully we don't get beat 28, nothing by Bayern who uh, just seemed to be an absolute juggernaut behemoth of a team in preseason. Preseason. Yeah. Preseason, but uh, just before we get out of here, Kev, because I know everybody likes to talk about transfers this time of year. Are you expecting anything next week? Because I kind of am. I hope in so. Um, I, I hoping that the, the, the stuff for Fabinho and Henderson is wrapped up, uh, and just get that done and out the door, and hope the shit with his dogs gets fucking fixed. Otherwise, go and buy yourself a house in Brazil to put the dogs in, and h- hire people to look after your dogs and go and visit them. Just. Once you've made your decision that you want to go and you don't want to be with us anymore, off your trot. You know, you're not Steven Gerrard. You're not Luis Suarez. None of you two. None of the two of them are. It's not a case that, you know, you'll be expected accepted back to the fold because you're world superstars. Yay. Yay. You know, you want, it, you want it out. You want to go. Go and see. Ask Jeannie Wijnaldum what the grass is like on the other side. See how that works <laughs> out for you. You know, they've given great service to the club on the pitch. They've been fantastic. They've won everything. Absolute phenomenal players for us over the length of their contract. But for me, the second you ask to leave, good luck to you in the rest of your career. Happy days on your bikes. You it's know, uh, hanging I, with my I nomies. I will ab- 
I will absolutely not take Fabinho's dogs. I want nothing to do with a dog that can't breathe, let alone any other dog. No, they're not. Yeah, I, I, bulldogs. Oh. Get out of here. Garbage uh, dogs. They look cute. Yeah, you, Garbage yeah, dogs uh, are garbage people. Not a real dog. I'm okay with my corgi. That's <laughs> fine. But at least it can breathe properly, sort of thing. Uh, good point. No, good point. Good point. I, I, I expect the two outs to be done. And I, I would really like to think that within – 24 hours of the outs being announced we got at least one midfield in coming in because we have to have been doing the work behind the scenes getting something lined up because we just need the bodies we just i i got caught into the trap of counting the number of bodies last season saying we don't need another midfielder which proved to be wrong and now i'm looking at the same number like it's not the same numbers we are desperately short we need some bodies in so i mean hey i like this one from sam tandy Turum gets announced later in the week side eye look and Salah gets another year um, extension on his contract to protect his value from Saudi clubs next summer. I'm okay with both of those. I quite like both of those. I saw a link for Nice that they were looking at a central midfielder from, I can't remember where, but I did see Nice linked with a midfielder today. And I also Met. saw Southampton linked with Chowdhury. So, look, let them get their ducks in a row. Let them... Let them see what they how how it goes. But yeah, I hope you'd hope that any new signings are done t- to go to Singapore because they need time to bet in. The the more time that we wait is less time the club has to work with them. So okay. the sooner we can get this stuff to wrapped up, the better. Yeah, it, it already feels like any other signings is going to be too late for probably the first two, three weeks of the season. Maybe yeah. might not even see them into the team until after that stupid September international break you know, yeah. where the teams go away and come back. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm very looking forward. we got three more preseason games before the actual real action starts. We need to figure out who's going to be playing as a six. I'd like to maybe think that we might see a little bit of McAllister shifting back down to there. Once Sabaslai is back into the team, Jones and Elliott are both back getting up to fitness. Maybe a little bit of Tiago back into action. Maybe yeah. see if we get a little double pivot with uh, Trent going back to right full and Seeing McAllister playing as that six because I think that we'll would be kind of kind of we'll see kind of kind of nice. Look, yeah, exactly. Uh, There's always more coming, and uh, you know you can always trust on the LFC day trippers to be here for you when and if the news breaks. Gab absolutely loves doing impromptu Friday and Saturday shows, so fingers crossed, Liverpool. Here we go. So the show tonight, as always, brought to you by Bookmakers.com. If you're into a little bit of the sports gambling, head on over to their website, get all the best odds, and yada 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 yada. The most important thing, though, and you'll find it in the show description on YouTube, pinned tweet on all the social media for the LFC Day Trippers, is our charity sponsor, or our charity partner that we have this year, the 12 women from the Dublin GAA Club that are running the Dublin City Marathon in October, raising money for breast cancer awareness. They are getting closer and closer, a couple thousand away from their $20,000 fundraising target, which is a massive, massive target they set. And as is the case with the LFC Day Trippers and raising money for their good causes, always get there in the end. They always get there in the end. So if you're tired of hearing us talking about the uh, the ladies running the marathon, head on over to the GoFundMe page, find them, donate a few dollars, get us to the fundraising target. And we can move on to the next one because we're not going to stop raising money for good causes because that's what the channel is here for. So please hit the like button on your way out. Hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, all those good things. Ah, shit. No, you're supposed to say smash the like button. It's YouTube. Smash the like button. <laughs> smash the like button, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the comments, as always. This has been the LFC Day Trippers, a little post-Grintefurt 4-4 preseason.
full-time Reds warm-up for Kev and I. Thank you, Kev. I've been your host, Matt. We'll see you guys next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.